I have a question. I have an answer. How popular do you think Texas Roadhouse is? Do you like, think it's like uh, across the United States or? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... Like if we say Texas Roadhouse, how many people who are listening do you think will know what Texas Roadhouse is? Um, I would say everybody in the U.S. You think so? Yeah, I think everybody in the in the U.S. We should add a poll. We should add a poll of like, do you know what Texas Roadhouse is? And just have people answer honestly. <laughs> Are they in every state? I don't know what states all they're you know they're in. I, um, I assume they're in Texas. They are in Texas. Really they weren't. I thought it was. I, I I thought it was gonna be one of those things where like they weren't in Texas or they were just called like Roadhouse in Texas. Uh, they don't need the Texas. We have a Roadhouse here in Blaine. It's called Clive's Roadhouse. Um, arguably, arguably better than Texas Roadhouse. This is funny. I'm seeing that it says it's headquartered in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, don't tell a Kentucky in that because they'll correct you and say it's pronounced Louisville. All right. My bad. Uh, I typed in Texas Roadhouse. Oh, location there. Let's see what we get. <sighs> oh, here we go. Texas Roadhouse locations. Oh, I, just, I don't want to type in a zip code. I just want to see the whole map. Wait, they're in other countries? Looks like it. Did you see that? I did. They were in like the Middle East. Oh, I'm sharing my screen. That's right. Yeah. Bahrain, Qatar, United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Kuwait. and Saudi Arabia. Jeez. They have five locations in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) So yeah, I'm going to guess that most people listening to this are going to know what Texas Roadhouse is. (laughs) I... I'll say the joke. I, I held back for a second, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to say, we're not there anymore, but Texas Roadhouse is. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's pretty terrible. Uh, anyway. I was, I was actually just talking to Lauren about Texas Roadhouse the other day because uh, we passed it. I'm like, oh, my God, it's been so long since I've had Texas Roadhouse. They have the best $12 steaks ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's exactly what I needed to hear. So here's here's why. Uh we invited, so it's Jenny's birthday. Well, it was Jenny's birthday yesterday. And our Japanese friends, uh, my, my buddy Shinya, his wife's birthday is today. So they're like basically same birthday days. And uh, I suggested that we go to Texas Roadhouse. And usually we meet uh, once a week in person, once a week virtually to do speaking practice. And I just wanted to give them a heads up because Texas Roadhouse is a very American and likely confusing place if you go in with absolutely zero context of what you're getting yourself into and you had to cancel one of our usual weekly uh, speaking practice and then he did the next one too and i tried to suggest that we should have one more just kind of whenever he's got time because i wanted to explain what he was getting himself into and he was busy so um we're going today and uh i want I want to tell them to do the saddle thing <laughs> um, to, to Rie, who, yes. who who says she doesn't speak English. She she does, right? She speaks English, but uh-huh. just not super confident in it. And yeah, so um, Jenny's super excited about this too, because I was wondering <clears throat> if this is something we should give them a heads up on. And of course, Jenny's like, no, absolutely not. Don't tell them anything. This will be hilarious. Oh and <laughs> so I, I just text, I texted Chinya and I said, does Rie like surprises, right? Because if she doesn't, then I'll at least give her a little bit. Does of she like up. to be embarrassed? Because <laughs> yeah, that's the better answer or better question, right? Because if you, uh, especially because I feel like if people have been to Texas Roadhouse, they at least know the whole saddle thing. You get on the saddle, they say, "Hey, it's your birthday," blah blah, blah the whole deal. And uh, you got to yeah, yeah, you got to yeah. But I've only been there once when it was more than one person's 
birthday and they actually get two saddles and people seem to like that a lot more and it seems to actually get the whole place's attention oh, more. because you do it together right 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 so uh he said that she does uh i don't know if she will like this uh she might be scarred and realize that uh uh she doesn't like America. You should. You should. Um, <laughs> you eat your peanuts. You should throw them on the floor, like right in front of her. <laughs> She's gonna be like, yeah, yeah. "What are you doing, America?" I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. they don't do that anymore, though. I think they give you like the second peanut bucket for your shells. But it, I remember used to, like well, walking right. in there when I was younger, and they're just being peanut shells all over the floor. That's what right. you did. Yeah, America. That's what you do. So she didn't really like steak, and that's why I thought this would be a good idea too. But uh, he he is a doctor. And I don't think he's, he's experienced this uh, kind of, like you said, a $12 steak at Texas Roadhouse is a different experience. So anyway, I'm very excited to see how uh, awkward this can get and really looking forward to <laughs> the weirdness <laughs> in store. Uh, I wish I was there. That'd be fun. It's, it, again, <laughs> it's been so long since uh, since we've had Texas Roadhouse. The last steakhouse I went to that wasn't like a like a five star steakhouse was um, I think it was like what was it? One of our clients sent me a gift card to it, and I had never been there before. It wasn't like it was it was a steakhouse like Outback or something like that, but it wasn't Outback, and it was like an actual steakhouse. It was yeah. local to you, wasn't it? Um, like- I, I think it was still a chain because I think Lauren had been there at one point, but and I think mm-hmm. he had one down there as well um but uh it must have been his favorite because i he he lived our client was in texas he could have just sent me a gift card to texas roadhouse because they're everywhere i could be in yep. qatar and eat at texas roadhouse apparently <laughs> now we know oh what are we talking about today um yeah jake what are we talking about today uh, all the people we're talking about how to get published in magazines or just publications in general uh th- well this was a topic that we talked about doing in a previous episode saying like, Hey, we should, I should give away all my secrets on how I actually get featured in, um, like industry publications and magazines. Cause yeah. it's, it's quite a, uh, a talent, I guess. Skill. It's developed. It's, it, right? Is it? <laughs> I feel like I had, so. I feel like I hadn't like ever really tried that hard because mm. I mean, I had, try, I've had to try for a few publications, but then like, like our, like the first ones we got into it, wasn't much trying i just reached out to the editors and then i i I did it but then i i used that as kind of a snowball and then and just went like okay so i've done it once for this this is how i did it for them and then i just kept doing it and then everybody loved it so i think my first publication it was turf magazine and uh well i technically speaking uh, I won't get into that, but it was uh, uh, Turf Magazine, and what I did, what I was like super focused on them, like just ignoring me or not accepting it because I was always told that um, like editors get, get so many requests to, for for publications or for like contri- contributions right. that they just like don't read everything. So if you find like an editor's email, like what's the subject line? Like how do you get their attention, and then also what makes them like you enough to for them to want to post whatever you wrote on the site. Um, but before we get into that, I think what's most important is recapping the differentiation between guest posting and contributing because um, especially with Google's uh, most recent link or like, yeah, link spam update, um, there is a huge difference between guest posting and contributing. So guest posting is, is um, and maybe Cody, you can add on to this, but guest posting from my perspective is pretty much just um 
reaching out to somebody and asking if you can guest post or like trade links and like that is pretty much it like you don't really care about the audience on the site at all you just want the link um and in addition to that google's also found paid links spammy as well so like uh um a pay like if you're doing like a paid promotion in like martech or something like that and it has like sponsored on there um google will treat that the same as like a link exchange Mm -hmm. did i yeah did i I get it right i agree i i'm a little I'd say I'm a little skeptical about Google's perspective on paid articles compared to uh, guest posting in the traditional sense. I I would actually personally probably favor paying to have an article featured versus just a a crappy guest post. They're saying guest posts are just outright spam. They're saying paid paid links should be no follow with the paid uh, sponsorship um rel attribute for mm-hmm. links and i mean a lot of people don't do that but it's really not on you if you're the one promoting it like so you shouldn't get penalized for it but if you are like i mean you don't get penalized for any link spam at all anyways um technically speaking you just the links just don't get credited so well depending on the publication they might not even know too like mm-hmm. say they're a traditional magazine and they've been in print for 50 years and they're small their niche and their online division isn't super tech savvy. You can tell usually because their website isn't that great either. And you can in- inspect their their sponsored article, uh, sp- check those articles and see if those links are no followed, right? Because uh, it wouldn't surprise me a lot of them if a lot of them aren't. But again, those both of those are different, right? From what you're saying, um, contributing to other articles. And uh, yeah, I, I think... Most people, if they're listening, have probably at some point experienced the random email of somebody just trying to dig for a guest post uh, link where they're saying, I've got Web 2.0 links. These are my domains. Here's an article I can spin up in five minutes. Nobody is actually intended to read this sort of thing. None of it's good. It all sucks. And they're not actually considering your audience at all um there there was uh something so like there's been a lot of speculation of what google google considers a paid link because they really have no idea unless like they take signals from other parts of the site or the page and um uh so like if if like an ad there's a theory that like if the ad if the the post says sponsored content in it or something like that google can pick that up and say oh okay so any link in here is from a sponsored post let's not count it uh, the other thing is too is Matt Diggity actually posted something about this on YouTube and he about the link spam update, but he's also an affiliate marketer, so I feel like this update pissed him off the most um, <laughs> because he was super upset about it in his video. At least he sounded upset, but he said something like um, the metric of outgoing links versus incoming links to the site or the page, and he said um, try to shoot for a zero point one two ratio of outbound versus inbound links. But he didn't like clarify what he meant by that. And so I commented on his video, like, what do you mean? Where did you get the 0.12 number? Like, what is this? And I, what I assume is basically for every, um, for every like one external link, you should have 10 internal links. Uh, and, okay. or, uh, yeah, yeah, you should have 10 internal links. So, um, that's basically 0. 0.1, 0.1. But like, he didn't explain at all where he got that number from. So um, I don't know if I can trust that quite yet, but it makes sense in terms of like it, like CNBC, for instance, all they do is, is advertise to me of like people like entrepreneurs who are like this, 
32 year old makes ten thousand dollars a day in passive income <laughs> renting airbnb properties and it's like written by the person the article is about i'm just like oh, okay yeah uh, so i i feel like that's really what they're going after um and uh but yeah having having said that there there are like actual publications in your in, in your industry that are um reputable and um you know are their whole business model is media is, is it a magazine or a newsletter or selling their audience to advertisers who want to get in front of the publications audience in the SEO world or the, the even just the digital marketing world. I mean, we have, um, MarTech, we've got search engine land, which are the same company, search engine journal, search engine watch, SE Roundtable. Um, I guess those are primarily search engine ones, but, uh, those are like the industry publications. They don't have like a print publication, but they have their online digital one and they're highly reputable. I and mean, they've got like a DA of 90 plus. Um, and uh, those are publications that you would want to get in from an SEO expertise perspective and not just, and they don't just trade links. Like that's not how that works. Likewise, in your actual, if you're, if you actually niche down um, on like a very specific marketing niche like for us we do landscaping and lawn care there are landscaping and lawn care publications that are specific to business owners in that industry we have turf magazine green industry pros lawn and landscape landscape management there's synced there's landscaper landscapingpros.com or yeah.com um there's tons and um i would imagine in the roofing industry there's roofing i would imagine in dumpster and waste removal there's that there's publications there as well um yeah, and even I mean, further than that too, right? You've got finance, you've got mm-hmm. I'm sure dentists probably have one. I mean, every everybody's got something. But I wanted to ask you how so we talked about guest posting. How do you determine and how do you find what the good what the good publications are and how do you know if you're getting in front of the right people to benefit your business? Um some of it just has to come down to um a little bit of research. Uh, I, u- I usually use DA as like the preliminary determiner. So like domain authority from Moz, or you can use um, domain rank from Ahrefs. That just gives me an idea of how authoritative the site is just in the space. Um, the other thing I do is I get on LinkedIn and I look at those publication pages to see what kind of engagement they're getting from their followers. Uh, also, they have uh, typically on on like their online version and their articles, they have like a comment section. And if they've got engagement from from those, uh, then usually those are like the better ones. Like I'll give you an example, like Law or what was it? Green, Green Industry Pros, I think, has a higher domain authority than Turf Magazine. So, so in theory, like they should have a higher audience than Turf Magazine. And I think even in like their sales material, they do. I, honestly, because Green Industry Pros is owned by ACBM, which is a huge media company. Um, so, like, they should have a, a lot larger audience than Turf Magazine. And so, by all means, technically, we should be pushing Green Industry Pros harder just by those numbers. But I have never seen more success from being in a publication than being in with Turf Magazine, which is why I hammer that that publication so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just and that just came from trial and error. So we went back and. We're like, hey, we want to we want 2023 to be kind of a year of content and actually pushing more stuff out there. And mm-hmm. um, we played with this uh, uh, this idea of getting published in other like new magazines because we haven't been published in um, uh, Landscaper Pro, uh, which is a UK magazine, and we haven't been published in Synced, which is a new um, US magazine. Yep. Um, but there's one more in Australia. 
uh, oh, yeah. just for funsies. But yeah, I mean, yeah. they're quite a ways away. So. <laughs> uh, the way down under. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I decided we we published a. Um, there was a an article that we wanted to write. It was uh, should landscapers shut down marketing in the winter because we get that a lot. And for Turf Magazine, I had already previously written an article called Nine Marketing Tips for Your Lawn Care Business in the Winter back in 2018. So uh, I was like, hey, Turf Magazine would be an excellent one to publish this in because then I can link to that article and kind of create like an internal linking structure between the brands, but also link to our benchmarks post that we just posted on our site for 2021 landscaping benchmarks, where the benchmarks actually proved that you should market in the winter because there's higher um, click-through rates in the winter, but higher conversion rates in the spring. And then I was able to translate that to the Turf Magazine audience. Um, and then also knowing, like, if I do that, if I have that capability of interlinking my own articles on Turf Magazine, and I have a direct content to the editor that's going to publish this in Turf Magazine, easy. Plus, we know that our site gets traffic from Turf like none other. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Okay, but can we back up for a sec? You're getting into real technical, and I want to keep it explained like I'm five a little bit for for some of the other things. And one of the one of the questions I had was so you mentioned like checking on LinkedIn. Is vetting their socials helpful and beneficial to determining whether or not it's a good publication? Um I would like, say I would say so well when you're starting you don't really have a choice. Like when when you're like just starting out and you're not in a publication, you don't have the luxury of being like, is this a good enough publication for me? Like you're not good enough for anybody yet. <laughs> like, if anything, you should vet the the smaller publications, and you should you should look at the the smaller publications first because you don't have a reputation. And this is what I did. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I got in turf because turf they they literally have like. Uh, well, they used to. They redid their site, I think. But they used to have just like a write for us page, and it was super easy to pitch them an article and find the editor on there. And um, I did. Whereas, like when you have like something like Green Industry Pros or Lawn and Landscape, where it's even harder to get into. I was I didn't even write an article for Lawn and Landscape. I was just a featured like I was just like an expert feature, or whatever, uh, for like an interview. And- so that's been our approach for that one client where we have, I mean, we've got a unique relationship with, it's the only one where we do a sort of profit sharing deal, but that was our experience where we, we kind of went off originally for the, we went to the biggest ones, just straight to the biggest publications to see if they would bite. <laughs> didn't happen. Oh, right? well, not right. quite. Didn't we got in like one of the first ones we got in was fast casual. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's I a guess, huge publication. Okay. If there was a top three, we got into one. And we're still fighting to get into the other two. So the other two, we are working with smaller publications to come back and and say with clout, we've been in these other ones too. We really, all that's left is you guys. So that sort of thing. Well, I will say though, like we got in a fast casual, which is huge. Like even people who aren't in the restaurant industry know fast casual, at least if they're on LinkedIn at all. But um, Bar Biz Magazine, uh, the client that we do is in the restaurant industry, but like Bar Biz Magazine, there were a smaller publication that we got into uh, and that article just popped off. I think we <laughs> the article got published and the next day our client had like 12 leads like mm-hmm. from that article. We're like, holy crap. So it, it, it um, you shouldn't like just go after the big fish right away. I guess if you're looking for domain authority, uh, maybe, but at the end of the day, like the only reason why you want that authority is because you want to rank higher for, to, for client acquisition. Um, well, unless you're an affiliate marketer, but um, either way, I would start. I would start small and yeah, get that clout. Get that clout first. Um, cool. That's helpful. Hell yeah. 
So yeah. Um, but on that note, when you're figuring out the publications, you definitely want to be quality over quantity. You don't want to just find as many that are loosely related to you as possible. Like really find the ones that are that are like hyper focused on your niche or whatever you're you're providing. Um, and then make sure like the audience reads it too. Uh, if if you find a, a magazine or something like that and literally no one reads it or you can't find like any other sources on this, then like maybe it's not a good publication to be in or maybe they're really not a publication and they just have like a blog. Um, that would be a guest post. Stay away from that. They're effectively a public blog network. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not a secret what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but nobody's actually reading it and it's mostly just for search engines. Yeah. All right. Ready to get in the nitty gritty? This is how I, this, on my actual strategy. Yeah. Hit us with it. All right. So, first, pitch each of publications uh, to build a reputation. The second thing is you're going to want to search for a contribution page. A lot of publications have these, like a write for us page or a contribute or something. For Turf Magazine, it's just a contact us page. So, that could be it as well. Or like an our team page. Because what you're specifically looking for is a way to submit an article pitch. Some some publications have like a, a form you just fill out and you tell them the type of article you want to write or something like that. Search Engine Journal is like this. Um, and uh, I think Search Engine Land was like that. I can't remember now. Now I just send articles to Danny. And <laughs> uh, and then anybody um, listening to this isn't going to have a contact yet, though. So they got to get through the first. Yeah, the, the hardest problem is just getting above that that's, first wall. That's the thing. Like you get above that first wall, and now you've got an editor's name, and then like you just file them away in your email. And the next article you want to publish, you just reach out to them directly, and it's just it's so easy. The hardest part is just getting into the gate. Um, so you're gonna find the you're gonna find um either a form to submit or you're going to find the editors, um, which you should also pay attention to is some of the context on the page too, because if they tell you how to submit an article pitch, do it exactly like that. If you deviate from that, there's a high chance that you're just going to get deleted or you're going to, they're going to see you as kind of spammy and just move away. Um, I think probably 20% of the articles I submit there, they have actual submission rules. Uh, the other, the other 80% don't. It's just kind of like, you know, write for us. And then here's our editing team's email. Um, in which case you've got to be creative with your headlines, but the best, uh, the best case scenario for pitching is actually finding an actual person's email, uh, on the editing team. So you're going to, if you find the editing team and you find their emails, you're going to see some different kind of editors. You're going to see in uh, like editorial director, um, assistant editor, editor, managing editor. They're all different kinds. Um, what I usually go for first is like the editor. So like not the editorial director or not the managing editor, but like um, like a lower tier editor, maybe the assistant editor um, as well. And the reason why I go in with those lower tier people is because those managing editors and those editorial directors, they've got so much on their plate. I bet their inbox is just flooded. But a like a lower tier editor is still pretty green and they're usually looking for topics that they can post or, you know, bring to light. So if you've got a good idea and their inbox isn't as full, they're more apt to actually read your article and then um, run it up the ladder. Of course, you have to write a good article. You can't just like post garbage out there and say like, hey, publish this. It's actually got to be valuable. Uh, do you do any research on these people when you find them? Do you look up their LinkedIn? Nope. Or, no. Okay. Would it be helpful to? 
Um, it depends. Maybe it depends on the industry. I do it for um, like Forbes because uh, I'm I'm working on that right now. For Forbes, I do for sure because uh, when you have like a Forbes contributor or an Inc. contributor or Entrepreneur Magazine contributor, um, like Forbes, you have to pay to be a contributor to, in the Forbes circle, and I don't want to do that. Plus, you have to like actually write all the time. Like that's a requirement. I don't want to do that, but I do want someone in Forbes to mention me. So in order to do that, I've got to find a contributor that writes about the topics that I want to write about or be interviewed about. And in that case, yes, I do do LinkedIn, some some studies on LinkedIn or research on LinkedIn to find out. But when it comes to like finding an editor of a magazine that just like will post whatever you write, then no, it, I just need to write something that the magazine will like itself. So, so when you're saying the editor, I mean, can you describe the kind of person? Because in my head, I'm trying to imagine the kind of person that they are. And it, it's the, is it the grunt work person who's still every day grinding out published articles right? i mean because i think of when you find a publication and then you see all of the historical the articles the publication dates and then the author names next to them mm-hmm. right uh some of them don't publish often some there's it doesn't surprise me when there's often one person who publishes every day and then another person who publishes maybe once a week or something uh-huh. Th- does that does that stuff help you too when making that decision or does that help you determine who the right person is? For yeah, so for me, if I can't find their editing team like on a page for it, that's when I'll go in and actually look at the articles that have been published because usually there's an author byline and the author byline links to the author page, which might have their email or their LinkedIn or their contact information. Um, typically on the magazines that were published in, they have a more direct way to submit a pitch through the site rather than having to like stalk the editors on LinkedIn for like Forbes and Inc. and, and those. Yeah, you have to do a, b- a bit more kind of stalking uh, to do that. When it comes to like who is publishing in like Turf Magazine and stuff like that, I don't really pay attention to that because there is a more direct way to reach out to them. They have all of their emails posted on the contact page. Um, so uh, yeah, it hasn't really helped me but I know you've done it though. Like you, when we do it for inside the box marketing, like you reach out to the email or you have me reach out to the email that publishes stuff similar to what um, we're going to write about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually have, I don't know. Ghost writing experience is what I'd say. Cause I, I write a decent amount where my name's not on it. <laughs> it's somebody else's name, which is cool. I like, I don't mind. <laughs> I prefer it that way. Yeah, but you got to write in their style too. Right, right, right. You have to change your your voice and how you're writing to match kind of two things. One is the person you're ghostwriting for. But uh, after that, you have to match the publication, uh, I guess, editorial preferences. I'll read through and kind of see their... A lot of them have formulas. Maybe they use listicles. Maybe they do how-tos. There's usually a, a recurring theme for the kind of article types that they write. And I'll try to take that information and then uh, write a very similar feeling article. Um, but that's that's the research is for actually choosing the article type that you're going to write and then determining how to best write it. Um, not not any of the actual outreach portion itself. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I usually just have an article. I I, I go into with it the article that I want to write. And then I say, okay, now which publication should I push this in? Um, mm-hmm. But there's, there's, but there's of- those are your name, right? I mean, these are the ones that are associated with 
their Jay Conley. Oh yeah. I, yeah. 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 Correct. Good point. Um, so after you find the, the, ed- the correct editor that you wanted to go to, um, you should probably research their guidelines. So having their email is one thing. That's like step one. Don't do anything with it yet or get there. But you want to find their guidelines because uh, typically what I do is I write the entire article out in like a Google Doc and like everything h1s h2s i add images i add the links i like i finish it like it's ready to post uh and then i once i do that i'll send that out to whichever editor i need to however there are guides some of them have guidelines um search engine watch for instance they have very strict guidelines on contributing the difference is is search engine watch you actually write it in the wordpress platform so like you, you don't like write oh, that. Nice. Yeah. So you don't like give it to someone and then they publish it. You literally are a user in their WordPress platform and then you have access to your article. Is that common? I mean, do you, how no. often do you think that happens versus <sighs> somebody just makes your byline for you and publishes your content? I bet it's common if you are a, um, an actual contributor of the publication. So like, um, I might, not, I might not be a contributor to search engine watch anymore because it's been like three years, but like, probably to the point where you actually go to the about page of their website and then you're listed as a, a frequent contributor sort of thing. Yeah, kind of. It, it's like when you have your own profile, I guess, because uh, like in search engine watch, you can actually go to my author page, but in like turf magazine, there is no author page. It's all posted by guest contributor. So um, it's not common. And they also use like clear something clear, clear voice or something, but I can't remember what it is. It's just like a way to like manage uh, at writers um uh, but uh <laughs> they've got really strict guidelines and uh making sure when you write your article pitch that they follow that because then it shows the editor like you paid attention to their guidelines and then they don't have to tell you or anything or do much work if there's anything editors hate doing it's work so <laughs> <laughs> give them the least amount of work there has only been one situation and it was for our client that we'd have the profit sharing thing with where i we wrote the entire article out and we submitted it to them and they said, uh, they emailed me back and said, um, we actually only prefer, we only accept this in a pitch format. I'm like, what? That makes no, I wrote the whole thing. Just read it. <laughs> like, so you work, do yeah. undo your work. Yeah. Please. So I, so I was like, okay, well then like, here is this executive summary. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was weird, but, um, my first article for Turf, I wrote an abridged version of it in the email thread because what I don't like doing is um, is uh, uh, linking to the article like my Google Doc because one, it comes off as like spammy uh, and uh, I don't want to link in my email to get caught in the editor spam filters. So I remove... Okay, uh, yeah. That was a question I had is... So uh, do you have more bullets? How much more bullets you got? Because I want to like try to like not make this the monster episode where people are like... <laughs> Jeez, this is long. I've got some more, but they're shorter. Okay. Because, yeah, my question was, how do you... Say you get their email, and you are are in your... You're in Gmail. You're in Outlook. You're writing an email to this person. There's no fancy form that you're submitting. This is a just an email that you're writing. How do you get their attention and not get caught in their spam filters and actually get a response? Maybe those were your next bullets. Right. Uh, no, I actually, I don't think I did have this. <laughs> so like, there's a, there's a couple of rules that I follow. One is like, what's a good subject line that can we start yeah, there? Like, yeah. What's, subject a, what's lines a bad are my one? Favorite. What's a total mistake that you absolutely shouldn't say? Um, you shouldn't come off as of salesy. So like, but there's some, sometimes there's rules though. I can't remember. Um, it might've been search engine land. Well, like they wanted you to email them, but like the title of the subject had to be article pitch. 
And like, that's it. And so sometimes like, that's the case. And like, okay, follow the rules. Like don't deviate from that. Um, but if, if there aren't any rules and you're in your, you're in your situation, um, sometimes I will do article pitch. Like I'll just say article pitch colon. Like this is what it is because then I'm just being mm-hmm. honest. Like this is an article pitch. You should read it, uh, for, um, uh, but I also do like, if it's a first timer, like I usually do exclusive article pitch or like, you know, insert like magazine, like turf magazine, exclusive article pitch. And that way, like, they're like, hey, you know, like, this is, like, for you. I'm not just blasting this everywhere else, mm-hmm. um, which is one of my points, which is, like, be exclusive. If you're going to write an article, write it for a magazine. Don't write it with the intention of just sending it out everywhere and hoping someone gets a bite. Like, send it to one magazine. Follow up with them for a month. If they don't respond, tell them you're going to take this to another magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've said that's important many times. Like, we, when we pitch an article that we say this is intentionally made for you, if you don't want it, that's fine. Let us know and stuff. But we are not shopping this around. We're I, doing these one at a time. I highlight the line in my email too. Like I'll say like, hey, here's like basically the rundown of the article. I would link to it, except I don't want to get caught in your spam filter. By the way, this will be an exclusive insert magazine article. And then like highlight that last line. Um, and uh, my emails are relatively short. Don't make them long unless they ask you to pitch inside of it. But then like... You know, give them some bullet points of it for subject line. Uh, additionally, <laughs> we had this deal like Turf Magazine. They got a new managing editor. And uh, so I reached out to my contact who I had published two articles or three articles with her before. I was like, hey, um, uh, I, I, I want to publish a new article. And she's like, hey, sorry, I don't like work in this division anymore. Uh, but you might want to reach out to this person who is the new person. So I did, and like I was like, hey, I just forwarded. I was like, article pitch, um, and then in my body, I was like, hey, the old editor referred me to you. I've done a few articles with her. Like, hey, here's what we're gonna do, and just nothing, crickets for like a month. And I followed up like three times, and it eventually, I got so annoyed. I found like the um, the just like the regular editor email, which was uh, it, it was a tied to a specific a person's name, but it was like editor at Turf Magazine. So like it was like a person's name, but just filling like a role. And I cc'd that email, or no, I emailed that email, and then I cc'd the the managing director or the managing editor. And then my subject line completely changed it. I said I am a current contributor. That was my subject line. <laughs> And I was like, what are they going to do? Ignore that now? It's like, can I speak to the manager? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and I don't, um, I don't do sentence case or a title case in my subject lines. I do sentence case because it looks way more informal. Um, and like less mm-hmm. like I have a stick up my ass trying to sell something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I posted, I was like, Hey, I have published these three articles on this site and I linked to them. I'm like, I have another one I want to publish. This is what it's about. I would send it to you. Don't want to get caught in your spam filters. Cause I've already got three links. Um, and then, uh, actually I didn't include the links. I just included the, uh, uh, the titles to it. And then, um, she's like, yeah, like send me the article. So then I was like, great. Now that I know I'm not hitting your spam filter, I'll send you the link. And then she just read it and said like, yeah, we want to publish this, but a couple edits and boom, done. So it be punchy with your subject lines. Like think outside the box. You don't have to say article pitch every time. If someone's not responding, just say like, what's the deal? Like that's your subject line. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah uh did that answer your question yeah that's good sweet um i had pitch versus supply article i as a bullet but we talked about this which is make sure that they don't want to pitch versus like submitting the whole article but like i said like 80 90 percent of the time they're going to want you to like supply the entire article um they don't say that but ultimately 
that's what they want. They want to see they want to see the work is already put in and you're not just going to like put something half-ass out when they already took the time to read your email. Does that include a byline for your for your authorship? Um I don't include the byline. I don't include I don't give them a byline until they accept my article because then they ask you for your headshot and byline if it's a headshot type article. Gotcha. Um like search engine land they asked for a headshot and a byline and then cc'd someone else in the email and said they're going to send you over like a subject matter expert uh agreement or something like that i imagine they've got it sorted out a lot more than most people though because they it's like their job like they, they tell people how to do this stuff so they're probably a little bit more organized yeah oh by the way your byline is just your about section I didn't know that until 2018 when we published our Turf Magazine article. They're like, what do you want your byline to be? I had to Google it. And I was like, what the hell is a byline? It's like the first time when someone's like, send me an invoice. And you're like, yes, I will. Google how to send an invoice. What was that? Episode one? <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, what did I have? Oh, um, no sales or promotional content. Uh, so think about the publication first and use second. This isn't an article to promote you. It's an article to get in front of an audience and provide actual value to them. This is, I can't teach this. This is either like you're smart or you're stupid. Like I, like I, there isn't anything I can (laughs) say to this. That's going to be like, don't be pitchy. Like, just don't, (laughs) I don't know. Do you have any advice on people who like, this is all they do, but then like, they don't have no idea. Have like, let me start over. They have no idea how to like actually provide value. Um, Yeah, no, I know that's, that's a weird one because there's a, there's the crossover between writers and marketers and writers who, well, there's writers, there's very good writers. And then there's marketers who are doing writing or who might think that they're writers. But if we're being honest, they're really not very good. And that's okay. You don't have to be great. Um, but you do have to get out of the marketer mindset of pitching. I'm a robot. This is generic and actually write real feelings. Uh, I don't know. I, I think... Okay, here's one thing I would recommend is just I recommend this to everybody, literally everybody, every single person in the world should read the first half of On Writing Well, and it will clean up Mm. everybody's writing. That's one of my favorite books to date. Yeah, I mean, it's it's solid. The second half of it goes into uh, writing styles for specific categories and genres of writing. Yeah, it's mostly just the second half is more like fiction, I think. Mm -hmm. And then the first half is more nonfiction, which is more applicable to this field. Right. Yeah, it just cleans up a lot. It makes your writing more clear. Um, but yeah, uh, on as writing as... well by William Zinser. Yep, there so you go. For, for those of you who wanted to know, and it really, I think it's like sixty pages. It's not the relevant much. parts. Right, right, right. I wish that they would just sell that part for like three bucks, and then we could buy a hundred copies. And then every time it comes up, I just whip it out and give it to somebody which i already <laughs> i don't know how many times i've reordered i want to clip that books i'm gonna <laughs> clip that i just want to whip it out and give it to somebody <laughs> uh yeah i don't know that's that's a good start if nothing else if, if people haven't done it uh i i do i model a lot of my pitch like emails and subject lines after that book uh, mm-hmm. well when you edit my stuff you I, i'm pretty sure like you are you have on writing well opened <laughs> and are like critiquing it like you it's just my i have an adjective in there and you're like no get it out of there (laughs) (laughs) there's some things that are so obvious now that i i point out to people and it's just they're cliches that people don't even realize that they're saying and they 
crept into their speech like uh yeah i I do um whopping a whopping whatever percent like i stopped Mm -hmm. using whopping and so if you look at my recent turf magazine article i instead of whopping i put commanding and that was very intentional Ooh, punchy i like that the one that kills me every time is it goes without saying because any anytime I hear that, anytime somebody did, says that, they say it goes without saying. I and did I say, that in my search engine land article, <laughs> and you literally crossed it out and said, "Don't then don't say it." <laughs> like, you're like, it goes without saying, and it's just like, why, then why did you include this? You said it, and yeah. then you went on to explain. <laughs> if it goes without saying, why are you saying it? Uh, the other, the other, it's on social all the time, right? But I'm pleased to announce. Just announce it. What do you I mean? Okay, you're you're already pleased to announce it, and that's why you're going out of your way to to share it this is like the so, can i ask you a question thing <laughs> yeah you just did yeah so <laughs> now you get two <laughs> uh, and i get some of it's just politeness but in writing and especially in emails that are cold emails uh to very busy people or, or more important people you're you're wasting their time even you can be polite and to the point indirect without having to add niceties that ultimately get people disinterested very quickly I'm, but, I have very, I'm known for very long emails, but it's when I'm explaining things that someone asked the question to. But like, if somebody asks a question, like, can I get a discount? My email is no. And like, that's it. <laughs> yep. Well, there's, that's breakthrough advertising. I can't remember. It's very early on in the book where it says your headline has one job. Everybody tries to write a lot and that's never, that should never be your goal. It's everything that you should write. The sentence has one job and that's to get the person to read the next sentence. And then you just continue that sequence until you're done writing. And if at any point something is lost in there, it should be cut because you're losing people's attention. So school you think that us. way. Well, yeah. yeah, like school yeah. was like it has to be like four pages and people would like stretch words. Whereas I, like in the real world, oh my God, if you write four pages to tell me one thing, I'm going to be so pissed. Yep. No, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Next. Uh, no promotional content. I said that. Um, if you don't know what the difference between promotional content and actual value is, you're dumb. Um, <laughs> second, uh, link to other articles in yours. I want to say you're not dumb. If you need help, email me. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the everbrospodcast.com. Fill out the form and tell us what your question is. Uh, okay. Link to other articles in yours from other articles in that magazine. That shows that you are willing to help their own SEO and internal linking structure and keep the readers on site longer. This was just something that I did in my very first article on turf. And um, by doing this every time, it's gotten me in the publication every time, but it so has all the other stuff. So I don't know exactly what it is that people love, but when everything is combined like this, uh, I nobody says no. Uh, so find other articles that are similar to your topic and link to them from that publication um uh and don't worry about linking to your site in the actual copy of the article your tip like 90 percent of the time you're going to get a link in your author byline and that's really all that's important um you can argue you can make an argument that saying that the anchor text is going to be the most important but editors aren't stupid like their job is the editor they know what you're trying to do um they're not just like another business owner that you're trying to sell your services to uh so don't force a link that doesn't need to be in there if you mention the word like your your target keyword but you link to your home page why <laughs> like it's just not worth it it's <laughs> yeah yeah i did i did um i linked to our landscaping benchmarks post in the turf article because uh i shared a, sc- a snippet of our 
infographic and was like, we wrote our entire benchmarks for the landscaping industry in this post. And then I linked to it because that was relevant, but it wasn't like, uh, why you should market your landscaping business in the winter. And then like market your landscaping business was like linked to our homepage. Like, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's dumb. Well, it's kind of, yeah, I know you've said before, and I thought it was funny how you've been challenged for like validating your sources for data. And you just have to come back and say, we are the data. We, <laughs> This, this is that our was, job. That we was do for this. that was for our client, I think. They yeah, that was for our client when we got into. Um, uh, I think it was. I think it was turf. Also, we, we wrote for our client who's in the restaurant industry for turf because they're going to the lawn care industry as well. And they literally said, "What's your what are your what's your data on this?" And I was like, uh, "Us? <laughs> you want us to write a white paper for our website? I mean, we can like, do that." But I, after I said that, he he was like, "Oh, okay." And he, like that was it. And I'm like it literally says in there, like this is what we get in our results. So I don't know. It was, yeah, but whenever I make a claim, I always link to the source. So like, if you look at my search engine land article, there's like a hundred links in there because I make a hundred claims, and <laughs> they're either like SE roundtable links or they're actual search engine um, land links. Um, okay, what else do I have? Um, give exclusivity. Exclusivity. So we mentioned this earlier, but make sure that the publication knows that this is an exclusive article pitch um, and do not send it to any other um, publication um, yet. Uh, I'll get into it in a second here. Um, follow up. So always make sure to follow up. Give the editor like three or four days to just uh, like business days to actually review it and get to it. If they don't, give them a follow up and just say, hey, are you guys interested in this? That's all I have to say. Are you still interested in this? Don't be like, I'm trying to get back in touch with you, seeing if my email fell at the bottom of your... What? Just say, are you interested? <laughs> That's mm-hmm. it. Um, if you don't hear back after like a, a few attempts, like after a couple weeks, then try a different editor. Maybe actually include the managing editor in this one. If you don't hear back for a few weeks after following up with the managing editor, still CCing your original editor, then email them both back and tell them, hey, it sounds like you're not interested in this. I'm going to take this somewhere else. And then like wait like a week. And if you don't hear anything back from them, then actually take it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That is all I had. This was a monster. I didn't expect this to be this long. That's what she said. I, I kept <laughs> I kept watching the clock and I thought, this is good. This is good. I mean, this is I wish somebody had shared this much. Um, because it is it is helpful and there's lots of just small things that can make a a big difference on the outcome. So yeah, I, I hope people find it helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's it. That's what we got. All right. <laughs> we yeah. said all the words. It's so easy to write for publications. Just you, got, you just can't be shitty. And like you have to actually mean to like write for somebody else and not for you. Um, I, I'll leave you guys with one word, one piece of advice. Um, the thing that Cody and I always ran into is should this be on our site or should this be on a publication site? Um, there are degrees of... Uh, we, we, if something should be on a publication site, if we're trying to educate um, on a topic that people aren't typically talking about or asking about, for instance, uh, we publish things on our site if people are actually asking about them. So uh, like one topic we want to write about is how to deal or we, we dealt with how to deal with negative reviews because there were so many people asking about that. I wanted to provide the answer to that just directly on our site. And someone asks a question on it in a forum, boom, here's a link, read this. I don't want to explain again. Um, for like other publications, if it's like a topic that's like uh, um, that people might think you're a little biased against, 
uh, because or biased on because you're the marketer, then that's like a good thing to pub- to to get published in because it's like I didn't publish this, the publication did, even though like you wrote it, but like they still they still published it for you. Um, well, we might have an episode on that too, differentiating what you should post on your site versus what you should give to other content. But uh, there's a lot more to it too. I just wanted to to throw that out there. Of you got to make the differentiation. At some point, you can't hoard all of your own content and blog before you run. Get, go get published somewhere first, and then deal with it. Like, yeah. Why should anybody care about the content yet, on your site if you're not like if other people don't trust you? It's just a very step two problem. Do step one, then you can panic about it. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening to 45 minutes of this podcast again. We'll see you on the next episode. See you.